You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy. I want to preach on a subject today that most people don't like preaching about, but it's something we think about all the time. I want to preach on money. And I want to ask you a question before I get started this morning, and that is this. How do you view money? Now, some of you may be saying, I don't know. I haven't seen much lately, so I don't know how I view it. But how do you view money? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, follow along as I read through verse 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain. One thing you can be certain about is this. We can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. So now we have contentment mentioned. We have the word content mentioned. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drowned men in destruction and perdition or damnation. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some, having coveted, after have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word today and we read these few verses of inspired scripture that you have left behind for us to consider and to contemplate on today, that, Father, you would help us by your grace to have a right view of money. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This was not the message that I was planning on preaching this Sunday. There was a message that I had worked up and was almost finished preparing, and the Lord just redirected me. I think it was because one of the men in the church texted me and said, Pastor, can I, I'm praying for you. And I said, pray that I would be spirit-filled this Sunday about got the message done, and so he prayed, and God changed the message. So if you don't like this message, take it up with Bill Walsh. <laughs> Last week, I brought to you a message about how we all need a word of encouragement now and then. I used Barnabas as an example of one who the Bible calls the son of consolation, given that name to him by the other apostles because he was such an encourager. One of the ways that uh, he encouraged others was by seeing needs and meeting those needs as God would so impress upon him to do so. And this was a verse that I shared last week. It's Acts 4.27, speaking of Barnabas, having land... Remember that? Having land, what did he do? He sold it. 
having land, he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet, and then they made distribution to those who had need. And I made a statement last week that very few of us would ever consider selling our properties that we have invested our monies in and liquidating them and meeting the needs of others through the resources that the Lord had given to us. It's probably something that would never even cross our mind would be to sell our properties when a need would arise. Let me ask you a question. Did Barnabas have a right view on money? He certainly did. Money is on every one of our minds. Let's get real. Let's get honest. We think about it all the time. We wonder if we're going to have enough money to pay the bills or to meet our needs or to pay for the children's education or support our retirement or get out of debt or whatever. We think about money all of the time. And I want to go on record right now before we go any farther to say money in of itself is not an evil thing. I mean, we need money. Having money and using money is life. It's a part of life. But where we go astray, or should I say where I can go astray, is when I have a wrong view of money, when I have an unbiblical view of money. When I have a wrong view of how I use my money or how I invest my money or how I save my money or how I spend my money. Or even asking ourselves the question, why do we think about money all the time? Why is money so important to us? When God said, I will supply all your needs. It's a good question. Since handling money is a necessary part of life, I believe that we need to develop some real biblical convictions about money. Not only about money, but about everything in life. Uh, there is a lot of you who are struggling financially. A lot of you have brought your needs to me. A lot of you have shared with me the financial difficulties that you find yourself in. And for the most part, you know it's been because of mismanagement. You haven't used your money wisely. You haven't used it in a biblical way. And my wife has been on me lately to in the future here, like when we're done with our series on the family, is to once again have a series about financial freedom. Until we develop a biblical conviction concerning our money and how we use our money and save our money and spend our money and invest our money, we're not going to live wisely. And we're not going to please the Lord with that which he has given to us. Jesus said this, no man can serve no man can serve two masters for either he will love the one and hate the other or he'll hold to the one and despise the other. Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon or money. Jesus speaks about money all the time. In the Gospels. 
In fact, there are more passages and more verses on the subject of money than there is prayer. Then there is heaven. Then there is hell. Or there is any other subject in Scripture other than prophecy, which covers one-third of the Bible. So think about that. Besides prophecy, more is said about money than any other topic in Scripture. So why is that? Because we have to handle it every day. We have to use it every day. Over half of the parables, over half of the parables that Jesus taught had to do with money. And yet we preach about it and we teach about it so little. I want to say this to you. We'll never go wrong by heeding the teachings of Scripture when it comes to financial management. This, this book that we have right here is even better than Dave Ramsey. Let me say, I have no idea who Dave Ramsey is. Okay. I want to talk about the world's view of money before we start talking about God's view of money and then our view of money. The Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 13 through verse 18, that there are two kinds of wisdom. There's the wisdom which is from above that God has recorded for us right here in this book. Are you with me? Say amen. So there's the wisdom from above, and then James said, there's the wisdom that is of this world. So we can break it down this way. There's the wisdom that comes from the word, and there's the wisdom that comes from the world. When I think about the world's wisdom as it pertains to money, and how that the world's wisdom shapes their perspective of money, this is the word that comes to my mind, accumulation. The world's philosophy of money, the world's view of money, the world's perspective of money is accumulation. That's how the world sees it, and that's also how carnal Christians see it, and that's where their focus is. But Jesus said this, are you with me? Lay not. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't seek to accumulate wealth on this earth. Lay up not for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where moth and rust doth not corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. And here it is, for where your treasure is, either in this world or in the world to come, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So the world's view of money is accumulation. I'll talk more about that in just a moment. A few weeks ago, I read from Webster's Dictionary of what the definition of a Christian was. How many remember when I did that? Okay, two people. Good. That was an effective message, wasn't it? <laughs> That's why I have job security. But the definition that Webster gives us... now when. 
Let me ask you, how many of you here are Christian? Can I see your hand? You say, I'm a Christian. Okay. Now, when you think of that, you think of the fact that I've accepted Christ as my Savior. I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven. Well, this is what Webster wrote. He said, a Christian is one who follows the teachings of Jesus. Are you a Christian when it comes to how you handle your money? Lay up not for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't you just love those grandbabies? See, everyone thought it was your baby, but I just... Are you a Christian? Am I a Christian? I want to tell you something. This really smote my heart. Because I raised my hand with you. I'm a Christian. But am I a follower of the teachings of Jesus when it applies to money? Listen to wise old Solomon. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. I don't want to be poor. I don't want to be rich. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Well, that's what I need right there. Just enough. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? I don't need the Lord. I got everything I need. What do I need the Lord? Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Well, what a balanced perspective. Don't give me poverty. Don't give me riches. Just kind of keep me right there in the middle class. There's four things I want to talk about. I want to talk about the world's view the world's goal, the world's focus, and the world's objective when it comes to money and how easily we are tainted by these things. The world's view of money is all about getting, accumulation. It's all about getting, it's all about receiving, it's all about spending, it's all about saving, and it's all about investing. Yes or no? I mean, that really sums up the world's view of money. The world's goal is to get as much as I can for my present happiness. And then as much as possible for my future comfort and ease. That's the world's goal. The world's focus is self-interest. And thank you. I had to pull that one out of you. Self-interest. Fulfillment of personal desires and needs and pleasure and security. The world's objective is once I have a sufficient amount and I can invest it, then I want to do my best to keep it and to keep it safe and protect it as best that I can. The world's view, the world's goal, the world's focus, the world's objective... And I would venture to say that's kind of the way that most of us see our money as well.
Solomon said these words. There is a sore evil. Ouch. There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their own hurt. So what is Solomon saying about the world's concept of accumulation? He said, it's going to hurt you. If that's what you are focused on, then that is going to hurt you. But that is the worldly view. That is the carnal view, which promises happiness and financial security to those who have been able to accumulate an abundance of wealth. And Solomon says, no. How completely contrary the wisdom of God is as opposed to the wisdom of man. His ways are not our ways. Again, the words of the Lord Jesus, are you a Christian when it comes to your finances? And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Now, is that true? Yes or no? But most of us don't believe that and we don't practice that. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. That is pulled out of a parable that Jesus taught where two brothers came and were arguing with one another over the division of the inheritance. And the brothers said, Lord Jesus... Speak to my brother that he divides the inheritance with me. Jesus said, man, who made me a judge or divider over you? A man's life consists not in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he tells the parable, are you with me? About the farmer who reaped a tremendous harvest. Didn't recognize that that came from the Lord. But he reaped a tremendous harvest. He said, this will I do. To where I can bestow all the fruits of all of my labors, I will tear down my old barns, and I will build bigger barns, and there will I bestow all the fruits of my labors. And I will say, take thine accumulation, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And God says, you're a fool. Tonight you're going to die. And then who shall all of these things belong to that you possess? He says, so is he that is not rich toward God. This life is not about our accumulation of wealth. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and hurtful lust which drowned men in destruction and perdition. Some of the richest people in the world are some of the most miserable people. If you have achieved, if you have achieved financial success, then I know that you have discovered that the world's promises are empty. Empty. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Which while some having coveted, it's a key word, coveted after, have erred from the faith and have pierced, 
They've been shot. Pierced themselves through with not just a few sorrows, many sorrows because their perspective was all wrong. Now, I want to just stop for a moment and I want to think about that phrase, the love of money is the root of all evil. What does that really mean? Now, if you're one of those that uses one of the modern perversions of the Bible, your Bible would read something like this. The love of money is the root of all forms of evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Or the love of money is the root of all types of evil. But that's not what the infallible, inspired, preserved word of God is the root of what? Doesn't say some or types or forms. Is the root of all evil while some have it coveted after. The definition of the love of money in all of its different forms is covetousness. Is covetousness. While some having coveted after. As you stop and you think about this, are you thinking with me? Because I did some thinking on this, believe me. All evil... Love of money is the word of all the all evil, all sin can be traced back to covetousness. Every one. You name it, it can all be traced back to covetousness. Paul said in Hebrews, he said, Let your conversation, let your lifestyle, the way you live, be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. Question Why do we sin? No one has an answer? Why do we sin? We sin because we're not content with our present circumstance or situation. We don't like what's happening. We are discontent. We begin to covet. We begin to lust. And then we sin. Every sin can be traced back to covetousness. James nailed it when he said this, when lust is conceived, lust, covetousness, when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth what? Sin. Sin only comes from a heart that's discontent and thinks that if it sins, then it'll fulfill that Lust. Listen to our passage. For we brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be what? Because if we're not content, what are we going to do? We're going to go after the love of money. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and stare of the devil. And in many foolish and hurtful lust which drowned men in destruction and perdition, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The world's view, the carnal view of 
money promises happiness and financial security to those who have accumulated in abundance. But I want you to understand something. There is no guarantee that your accumulation of wealth is going to be around for you to enjoy. I had the privilege of teaching our teens this morning and what the most difficult thing for me is in my Christian life and that is to focus on the eternal instead of the temporal. And they brought up money being a temporal thing. Pretty good insight, huh? That was actually the first thing they mentioned was money. I said, that's what I'm going to preach on. Money is a very temporal thing. And I mentioned to them something I mentioned to you before. A friend of mine lives just down the road from me. He's a next-door neighbor of Ben and Rachel. Back in 08, when we saw the crash in the stock market, he lost $220,000 in one day. $220,000 in one day. I saw him at Polly's. And he looked like he had lost his best friend. I mean, he was absolutely in the pits of despair. He had just retired. Ouch. Everybody's talking about how well the stock market is doing. I just want to tell you something my daddy told me. What goes up will come down. He that earneth wages, the prophet says, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Have you ever felt that? Oh, work it, work it, work it. I have a holy bag. Wilt thou set thine eyes on that which is not for riches? Certainly, certainly make themselves wings they fly away as an eagle toward heaven. I ask our teens this morning, what do you have right now that cannot be taken away from you and you cannot lose just like that? Immediately, one young man said, my salvation. That is the only thing that I can think that can't be taken away or the treasures that we have sent up ahead of us in heaven. I'm not going to get through this. That's the first time this has ever happened to me. <laughs> Stay tuned for tonight. I'm glad we have a Sunday night. We can wrap things up. All right, so I just want to talk about just three more things. Okay? I want to talk to you about God's view of money and how God's view should shape our view. Yes or no? Come on, Christian. The way God views it is the way we ought to view it. I believe that your philosophy of life will influence how you handle money. I will never forget when I entered into Bible college, we had an exam that we had to take in our first week upon entering into Bible college to see how much we knew. And I remember the, the question, what is your philosophy of life? I had never been asked that question before in my life. To be honest with you, I didn't even know what that meant. 
Seriously. I'm 18 years old, just graduated from high school. I had heard the word before. But I had no idea what having a philosophy of life even meant. A philosophy of life is what you believe that affects how you live. Your philosophy in life will influence how you handle money. That's why it's important that we have our beliefs, our philosophies, our convictions rooted in this book. Amen. Amen. Rooted in there. As well as everything else. Either it's rooted in the wisdom of men or it'll be rooted in the wisdom of God. So God has a whole lot to say about money. But three things I want to point out to you and then we'll, we'll come back and wrap this up tonight. Number one. Number one. Either remember it, write it down, write it on your forehand, write it on your forehead, okay, write it somewhere. Those of you who got cell phones, tell Siri to make you remember. <laughs> Number one, God owns it all. That's it. The number one is God owns it all. It all belongs to him. It doesn't belong to us. Boy, what a concept. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What does that mean? All the contents in the world belong to him. This is the first and primary truth that must be understood as a Christian. Everything we consider to be ours is his. So if I were to ask you this morning, who do your kids belong to? Say, hallelujah, they belong to God. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Belong to God. There's not a thing that I have or possess that doesn't belong to him. It's all hymns. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. For the world is mine and the fullness thereof, all the contents thereof. For the land is mine. The whole heaven under the earth is mine. The sea is mine. The dry land is mine. All the fowls are mine. The mountains are mine. The beasts of the fields are mine. The tithe of the land is mine. The seed is mine. The fruit trees are mine. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, saith the Lord. It's mine. It's not ours. We sang that song, He Owns a Cattle on a Thousand Hills, John W. Peterson. It's taken from Psalms, chapter 50, verse 10 through verse 11. Every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills, they are mine. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. He owns the rivers and the rocks and rills, the sun and stars that shine. Wonderful riches more than tongue can tell. He is my father, so there might as well. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I know that he will care for me. 
God's view of money, wealth, possessions, lands, all the contents of the earth. Yes. Number two, we are simply stewards of God's wealth. We are simply stewards of God's wealth. It all belongs to him. It's not ours. But he has entrusted some of that wealth to us to steward for him. It is required in stewards that a man be found... That a man be found what? Can we throw you women in there too? The Lord owns it all. He has entrusted us to use it under his direction. He's the Lord. We're the stewards. How many remember the parable of the talents? A couple times that parable is used by the Lord in the Gospels. One of the accounts he said to one of his stewards, his servants, he gave ten talents. Some of us have been given more by the Lord than others. Yes? By the way, do you know what? God is not in the fair business. I have all these precious grandchildren of mine. I actually looked at the other day and said, I thought we were done raising kids, honey. It's all starting all over again. And one thing we see our grandkids saying all the time that their parents said all the time that I don't think I ever said ever <laughs> is that's not that's not fair. He got to play the Wii twice and I only got to play it once. <laughs> I mean just awful. What a tragedy. So to one he gave ten, one he gave five, one he gave one. He said, I'm taking a long journey. Not telling you when I'm coming back, but one day I'm coming back. And when I come back, you're going to have to give an account of your stewardship. Okay, boss. The one that was given ten used it wisely and gained twenty. The one that was given five used it wisely and gained ten. The one who was given one buried it in the ground and did nothing with it. When the Lord came back, man, he praised the one who had turned it into twenty and the one that had turned it into ten. But the one who turned it into one, I mean, he got scolded big time. Why? Because it wasn't his to dig a hole and bury it. He was to use it for the advancement of the master's kingdom. Hmm. God owns it all. We are only stewards of that wealth. And one day, the judgment seat is coming. And we're going to be brought before the throne of God and we will give an account of our stewardship. How did you use that retirement? How did you use those weekly provisions? 
I'll tell you something. This even applies to you ladies whose your husbands gives you a certain amount to use each week. You be stewards of that. You say, but pastor, does that mean that we have to seek the Lord of how we use our money? Yep. Isn't that a novel idea? Because it's not ours. I do like it when he allows me to buy things with his money. Amen, I like that. God owns it all. We are only stewards of what he has entrusted to us. And here's the, just write down the key word. Remember what the world's key word was? Accumulation. You know what God's key word is? Distribution. Who said that? Good job. Distribution. The world's view is to accumulate. God's word is to distribute. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing. Sell all that thou hast and distribute to the poor. And thou shalt have treasures in heaven and follow me. Boy, did Jesus nail it with the rich young ruler. What did he do? Do you remember what he did when he heard these words? He turned around and he walked away. Because his whole God was accumulation. Not distribution. 1 Timothy 6.18 That they do good. That they that be rich in good works be ready to distribute. Be ready to distribute. Be willing to communicate. Instead of working to receive all that we can in order to spend and invest and save and use it on ourselves, why don't we apply Ephesians 4.28, that him that stole, did you know you can steal from God? Come back tonight, we'll find out how we can steal from God. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands. If a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. Let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, listen, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Distribution. And I want to tell you something powerful about getting connected with God's view of finances is that when we see it from God's perspective and God moves on our hearts and we realize it's not mine, it's his to do with whatever he wants. Lord, I'm just going to obey you and by faith I'm going to act upon what the Holy Ghost is telling me to do. There's an amazing thing that happens. Give and it shall be given you. Pressed down, shaken together, so shall men give to your bosom. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. He is God. You know what? Not only does he own everything, he's in control of everything. And if we will just walk and live in obedience to him with our wealth and our resources, 
When God wants to, he can turn around and give it right back to us again. He is an amazing giving God. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When Christ generosity, he encouraged his followers with that verse that I just quoted. Give, and it shall be given you. When I think of the rest of that verse, shaken down, pressed together. Um, <clears throat> how many of you have ever had a bag and you try to get as much in that bag as possible? Like when you ladies go garage sailing and it's like a dollar for a bag? You, could, you can wipe out an entire table and get it into that bag. I mean, you smash it down in there and push it down in there and you say, I want I want to get my money. So I want to get as much in that bag as I can. This is amazing. I'm telling you. This is an amazing thing about God that so many of you have experienced. You've given it back to God because it belongs to him. He has moved in your heart to take those resources and invest them in his kingdom. And then he turns around and gives it to you back in a most amazing way. And usually it's a way of abundance. It's incredible. What you do with your money determines what you will receive from the Lord. Either we, go, we are going to rely upon ourselves and what we can do, or we're going to rely, rely upon God and what he can do. Okay, I told you I was going to be done, right? You have, you have two options today. Either you're going to embrace the world's view, which is what? Come on, it's what? Accumulation. You're going to be focused on self-interest. Say, no, I'm, I'm going to do it my way. Or you're going to choose to do it what? God's way, which is what? Distribution. And trust him that he's going to bless you for it. If we give to the Lord as directed by him, I just believe he's going to reward that obedience. I quote from Jesus, and your reward shall be great. Not just in this life, but he says in the life which is to come. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Church family, how many treasures do you have up there? Not down here because what is your life? It's but a vapor. The, the kids today, you know, in the Sunday school class said, uh, how long are you going to live? Yeah, about 70 years, maybe 75 years. That's probably a pretty good average. Most of us are not going to live 93 years like pastor has what is that what is that accumulation compared to eternity even the kids had to had to even the teenagers agreed with me can you believe that what was an effective sunday school lesson today 
But they agreed with me that it is impossible to wrap our mind around eternity. Money can be a very dangerous thing. If it's not under God's control, if it is not held in keeping with his will and his purpose, it can drown us in destruction and perdition. Let's be wise. Let's be wise. Let's have every head bowed and right close. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.